Welcome to the Coach's Lounge Podcast, dedicated to the experiences from the real coaches' offices around the country. These are the great stories we love to share and hear from the gridiron, court, and fields across America. Now, join coaches Kevin Flanagan and Matt Marshall as they open the lounge now. Let me bring his theme music in. We got it. No, it's not. There we go. Yes. All right. There you go. <laughs> Working with a professional now, Matt Marshall. <laughs> hey, keeper. You no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. So keeper. We were just fixing to jump in. Tracy was fixing to. She was fixing to just to. Uh, have all the goods on Mark here. She was fixing to start telling some stories about uh, this is this is Tracy, that's uh, Mark Foreman's daughter, and then Toby's on here, and then um, you oh, met. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know Mark. He's no, on. Mark, I don't think we've ever met before. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah, I like a beard. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Coach Thompson's on. He's in a hotel room with his wife. They're on the way to San Angelo, and then I think. I think we got Marcus on. He's driving, trying to act like he works and stuff. Nobody buys that. <laughs> no one. No one. <laughs> Mark, I, I just want to tell you. Hey, he is in the parking lot of his house. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's in the driveway. Ah. He's driving back and forth down the driveway. Back and forth. Hey, I've already been hit by a deer today, so I promise you I'm driving. <laughs> it hits you. I got you. Yeah, oh man. my goodness! Who is that? Is that is that coach? Well, we're all there's a lot of coaches on there's here, like, man. No, there's one of, there's one of the <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of the thing. I was talking about Cornell, man. He's always looking at me like he wants to fight me. I just saw him. He looked at me like he was just sizing me up. He was sizing me up the last time I saw him, and then I see him this time, and he's looking at me like I could take him, hon. I could take him. I could read his lips. No, you're mistaken. <laughs> this guy, like, he's ready for a right cross. So, Tracy, kick it off. Tell us, uh, <coughs> you got any good stories on uh, – give us the best story on your dad. Oh, gosh. I mean, there, there's so many because, like, I didn't know how this the flow was going to be. I didn't know if you all going to ask this stuff. But, I mean, there's so many from, like, vacations that we've taken to and, – and to – I mean, we all took family vacations together. Like, all of our family vacations, like, they all – pretty much evolved around, okay, let's see, what college football stadium can we stop at along the way? So, I mean, and I'm telling you, and, and there was so much stuff, like like our all of our souvenirs, like here's a souvenir right here. <laughs> here's a, oh, here's a little souvenir right here. That was birthday. That was Christmas. Okay, so for for podcast purposes, that doesn't help us out too much. But oh, okay. So you brought up, you showed us a football with a Razorback sign on it, and then you showed us another football from another trip vacation slash present with an A and M logo on it. So is that the life of coaches' kids? Is that uh, you know everything's tied in? It absolutely was. And, you know, whenever whenever dad would go off and do his coaching trips and stuff, we don't, you know how everybody wants their parents to bring us back something, dad, bring us back. So we got stickers from I don't know how many colleges. I got, I had so many mascots. We had hats that played music from Notre Dame. Y'all remember that hat. And, I mean, yeah, football. That's awesome. Everything. Hey, so, Coach, uh, I'm a little late to the conversation. So she, can you explain to me who belongs with whom here? <laughs> You're talking to me. So 
Um, I'm gonna start calling. I'm gonna say Kevin. How about that? There you go. You got a lot All of right. coaches on. So, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. Coach shooting don't fish work. in a barrel, isn't it? It's yeah. sure like at coaching school when you say, "Hey, coach," yeah. and 48 <laughs> people turn around. Or yeah, a grocery right. store when you yell, "Mom." So yeah, <laughs> you've got you've got uh, of course Mark Foreman and Mark's son Toby right there. I've heard I've heard this dude. You hear about stories? I heard Toby is a storytelling machine. <laughs> And he's oh. got some doozies. Well, we tell a lot of stories about Toby, but don't don't. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Here. I yeah, conflate the two. Uh, that's for our office only. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and then you got Tracy, who is Mark's daughter. And the other foreman. I got a feeling it'll be the whole uh, superstar of the whole deal. Uh, carry all of us here. Uh, she's the professional. She and seems, then there's an aura about her for sure. No mm. doubt. No doubt. Oh, she tried to tell us. Say odor. Yeah, older. Older. <laughs> hey, you know how hot it is. You know how hot it is in Texas. My hey, so where is there? Is everybody? Is everybody in Texas here? I yeah. think so. Who, who's Miranda's? Oh, that's Nikki. Oh, oh. Nikki's tuning in. Okay. Yeah, we're all in Texas. How do y'all yeah. see all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, I see. I only see Foreman right now. Boy, well, y'all sound see. like you know y'all sound like a progressive auto insurance commercial right now. <laughs> it's, it. hey, it's it's every day. It's every day. Chase, can you get down here and tell me how do I click my iPod to the get the iPhone? I'm like, Dad, you still got an iPod. That's the problem. Don't even tell me anything about an iPod right now because you said the word iPod. And I completely just zoned out. That's it. It's not happening right now. <laughs> hey, but I like I like Cornell's I like Car- Cornell's description. He used to tell those kids to turn their tripods off. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying he said, to give we ain't taking no tripods today. <laughs> this this already might be the there. most fun episode just yet. Marcus, just in the setup. I just hope Marcus doesn't crash. Marcus, please don't crash. <laughs> oh no. Okay. He'll get out of the driveway. And then I'm so so we've got I just want to take uh, I want to take a screenshot of Cornell when he's trying to focus on that screen. Look, I mean, that, <laughs> if that ain't a profile pic, I don't know what it is. He's like, well, hey, it's hard with a flip phone. <laughs> exactly. Cornell, it's hard to take you serious. I imagine when you're yelling at a you're yelling at a ref and you look like this. I don't. He can't see you. I just wish I could get all of us. Yeah. Uh, well, so hey, we've Kevin. also, obviously we got, um, we got Cornell and his wife, Francis on, and then we've got, uh, one of his sons, Marcus, you can see him through the, uh, steering wheel right there. And, uh, now Marcus is not in Texas. Marcus, Marcus, I'm assuming you're in Arkansas right now. Yeah, I didn't want to admit that, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> where do you think they got that football from? <laughs> yeah. And then um, I'm going to have to plead ignorant on this one. Uh, Miranda, I'm not is sure. Is our daughter Nikki? Nikki. Is that yeah. yeah. You would have thought that she is. Yeah. Yes, she is. I wish that she would have just named me whatever she was going to call me, but I'm driving too. Okay. So, uh, okay, so connect the Miranda dots then. Miranda Nicole. Uh, is our daughter, is our daughter Cornell and Francis' daughter. We, we, yeah. She goes by Miranda yeah. for work. 
purposes and then and auto accidents in Arkansas and Texas is fixed to go up with them two yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A deer hit Marcus while ago. So. I wish we would have got that on camera. Yeah, right? deer ran yeah. smooth into him. I feel like Coach uh, Flan, I think I'm going to just sit back and I think you and Tracy should do this because this is better than anything I got. <laughs> now I can start it off with the Father's Day story. Yeah. The what? Would, yes. Would that be okay? You don't uh, have to ask. You, that would be you great. can do absolutely anything you want. That's the cool awesome. thing about this. Th this one's on Marcus and Cornell. So we're, uh, we, we had the, after we got married, we had the boys every Wednesday and every other weekend. And, of course, Mickey and Chad live with us. But it's football season. Marcus comes uh, comes in one evening. I'm cooking supper. And he's got his head held down. And I said, what's the matter, Marcus? And he goes, gee, Francis, Dad went off on me today. I left my um, knee brace out. What was I supposed to do, shit one? You probably can't put that on there. <laughs> Absolutely, it, we can. How dare you? <laughs> it, what was I supposed to do? And and uh, then he gave me a lick for it. And I said, uh-oh. And he said, I said, well, just go on and get your homework done. And and uh, supper will be ready in a minute. He, okay. About an hour later, Cordell comes in. Man, his head is down. His chin is dragging the floor. I said, baby, rough day. And he said, yeah, I had to get after Marcus today. And I said, well, yeah, I kind of heard that. And uh, he said, well, what did he say? And I said, well, he said, dad went off on me today and gave me a lick. And he looked down and he went, Phew. I said, what's the matter? And he said, at least he's still calling me dad. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Toby, tell us uh, – you played for your dad a lot, and then y'all got a special relationship in, in the fact that not only did you play for him, but then he's come over and coached uh, with you a bunch of times. He's been – I always tell people, dad's retired more times than Brett Farr, but so <laughs> San, Angelo, San Angelo Clinic starts this weekend, and um, and Coach Thompson's headed that way, and I'm headed that way when I leave this at my office tonight. But um, that was one of our family vacations. When I was growing up, you know, Tracy was right. We would go to uh, we would go to different different places, and we would always base it around a stadium or whatever. But um, we would go to Astroworld and Waterworld, go watch an Astros game, and normally, you know, sometime in July, but in June, myself and Tracy and, and a lot of the coaches from Orange and Marcus and Michael, we would all go to uh, to San Diego and we stay right there at the Holodome, and um, that that went on for years. I mean, just a lot of years. Um, so those were good memories. This clinic is is really, really, you know, really, uh, really good memories for me, uh, and, and it's good times. And uh, we, I haven't been there in a couple of years, and so I talked to Coach Thompson. You know, I'll be going here in a minute, but it's a, those are good memories. You know, as a family, and and we did a lot of stuff. Both families kind of did a lot of stuff together because um, Dad and Coach Thompson coached together for a lot, a lot of time. But a, a real funny story when I became the head track coach at West Orange. This was about 2000. It was – I was the head track coach twice. So the first time was like 05, 06, and um, dad was one of my assistants. And dad, um, he was he was living down in, in southeast Texas, uh, you know, but, he, but primarily he was living in Waxhatchee. And so it was spring break, and I was leaving. We were running Lamar, and I was leaving to go catch a flight. And so we had one other lady. Um, she was coached. She had an emergency. Well, dad was the only guy that was left. Well, dad was supposed to leave the meet. He was going to Waxhatchee. I was going to Houston to catch a flight. 
and the female coach was going to take the kids home because there wasn't many kids. Well, she got called away. So dad, I had to go tell dad, you know, you got to go take the kids home. You know, this is, you're the only coach that's left. And he kind of got all upset. So my grandmother who's passed away, his mom, he, he kind of, you know, bucked me on taking the, you know, kids home. So I had to call my grandma and say, hey, nanny, you know, dad's not listening to me. You know, he, he's not doing what I tell him. You know, he worked under me, which is funny. And so she said, baby, baby, sweetheart, just give me that phone. And so I, I, I could hear her yelling at him on the phone. So he handed me my phone like that. And he said, you go ahead. I, I got the kids, but after him pretty good. <laughs> so, hey, tell him about when you, threw, when you threw a trash can at dad because you got mad at him. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. I, that actually yeah. happened. Let's that talk happened about twice. that. That actually happened twice. One time, it, it was behind some seven-on-seven seven nonsense at West Orange. Let me tell you. So, I was one man, my defense coordinator now, Roy Likes, we were like the younger coaches on the staff. And, you know, the older guys, they didn't want to fool with the seven-on-seven. Seven, but so – and you're not supposed to be coaching seven-on-seven. Seven. I'm not saying I was, but I was on <laughs> the field where the kids were. And so Dan and Coach T and Coach Hooks, they were all sitting on the rail. There's a rail at West Orange on the practice field. You back your truck up and then you sit on that rail. And they were all down there. Well, they didn't like who was being subbed in and out of the game. And so I politely walked down there and told them if they wanted to coach, they could come down here and coach and quit hollering at us. And so this carried on until we got inside, and there was a, there was a trash can. I just kind of threw it across the room. It didn't hit nobody. But Coach Thompson peeked around the corner, and he looked at – he was cracking a joke. He said, is it safe to come out now? <laughs> I was upset. No, you knew I was mad. <laughs> that was the second time. The second time was when we had a receiver that caught – 400 balls in practice that year <laughs> and one ball in ball games that year. And he made our cornerbacks look just absolutely crazy one day. And, and so it, we walk in and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, Hey, she did a good thing on y'all today. Didn't he? Well, that pissed me off. And I started, actually, I, I, I punched the little, uh, DVD duplicator <laughs> and uh, we lost three little slots on there but uh, and and so we get into it and totally picked up the, the garbage can and threw it across the coach's office and well I just figured I probably need to leave at that time but uh, no, you know he, it's he, an interesting family when, uh, when, when when you talk about how Tracy brings up tell him about the time he threw a trash can at him <laughs> and he says, which time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's got to bring some uh, That's got to bring some interesting uh, conversation into the household when, uh, Dad, you're assistant son. Well, I will tell you this now. The, what, the father-son, I got a father-son story on Coach T and Marcus because we were practicing. I was a junior. Marcus was a senior. We were on the varsity and it was uh, – we, me and Marcus both started on the defense. He was a strong safety, and I was a cornerback. And we were playing Lincoln. And so that week – and the focus probably wasn't there. And I can't remember what happened on the play. Dad had just told me – because Dad was a secondary coach. Coach Thompson was the defense coordinator. Dad had just told me in the free safety, hey, y'all are subbing after this play. So we knew our subs were coming in to get us. Well, we did what we were supposed to do. I can't remember what the issue was with Marcus. But we – you know – Marcus mouthed off at, at Coach Thompson, which that didn't really – I mean, he said something kind of, you know, under his breath. Well, Coach T heard it, 
And so he told the offense, get off the field. We're doing, we were doing pursuit drill, what's called pursuit drill. So you have to go and run to your cone. Well, interception return, you ran back to get the ball, and then you came down the sideline, near sideline, everybody blocking you to have the ball. Man, he can't – you know, Coach T could throw – he bench presses like 400-something pounds. So he just set hut and threw the ball as far as you could throw it. So I was supposed to be sub for it anyway. So I'm mad at Marcus because he's popped off to his dad, and now everybody's upset. You know, it was a bad – it turned into a really bad Tuesday practice. I mean, really bad Tuesday. <laughs> but that's one of the few times I've ever heard anybody say anything back to Coach T. I mean, nobody talked back to him at all. You know, you just kind of – Okay, yes, sir. You know, but Marcus, but we there was a conversation after practice with Marcus. To if he's got an issue with his dad, he takes care of that at his house. Not in practice, never again. Especially not when I'm on the field playing. You know, getting pursued. Uh, you were it. at the house a couple of times, Toby, when that happened. Yeah, when Marcus yeah, decides to say something smart. Well, there was Marcus a cockroach. Said. There was a cockroach story that happened at the house as well. I can tell. Yeah, you. that that's true too. So for years. Coach Thompson, when did you get your knee fixed, Coach T? What year was that? When did I do what? Get your knee. Your knee. When did you have your knee replaced? 2001. Okay, 2001. So, Coach T, when I was in school, his knee was not uh, aligned straight. I don't know what the issue was. I think he got hurt in college or something. But so he he didn't he didn't move around great. You know, he wasn't gonna go sprint and, and do all that. So we're sitting in his living room one day and we're watching football or something. And it's me and Marcus and Nikki, and I think maybe Chad was in there, and I know Francis was in there. And so <laughs> Coach Thompson had this one, like, recliner or whatever, and I was sitting kind of over by the fireplace. And um, we were eating in the living room, and, and I guess, you know, you're not supposed to eat in the living room, Coach Thompson. He spotted a roach over the fireplace and was, like, hurtling through the – it was like the Matrix through the air. <laughs> he grabbed a paper and killed – I mean, just destroyed this roach. And he, he said, that's why you don't eat in the living room. And it, I mean, it was just all kind. But he moved faster than I've ever seen him move in his life. You know, I, I never ate, not only in his living room, I've never eaten in anybody's living room since that night. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get rid of let's get rid of that. Let's go ahead and take some of this low-hanging fruit. Let's hear it. I know coaches' kids are known for not getting away with much because Everybody knows mom, dad, everything, right? Now, let's get the flip side of that. Every coach's kid has also been able to get out of some stuff because they knew mom and dad and dad was a coach and stuff. Tracy, come on now. I know y'all got some stuff. Y'all were able to get away with some stuff. Y'all, y'all shaking your heads. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I would not, I would never call you a liar, but if I was going to, it'd be right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was a good kid. I never got in trouble. Of course so. you were. Of course you are. <laughs> so. Some people are shaking their head. No, I'm just saying. It's Marcus you need to be asking. That's the dude down there. That <laughs> yeah. It's here. It's here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I, the, the, the time that comes to mind was actually uh, in the classroom. I decided to uh, 10th grade biology class, Mr. An uh, what was Mr. Havens? Mr. Havens was his name. And I decided to break one of our yardsticks in biology lab over Drew Herman's back. <laughs> so, so uh, I think we're sword fighting or something, doing something we weren't supposed to. And uh, so, Mr. Havens, it's easy. He just, you know, wrote a little note, folded it up, said, take this to the field house. And 
and uh, let your dad know how you're behaving in class. So that's easier for me. It's the other end of campus. So I went and strolled the hallways for a little while. I came back. I said, Mr. Havens, you said he'd deal with it later. I just kind of left it at that. At some point, not too yeah, within a couple of days, maybe not even that long, dad uh, caught wind of that. It was the first he had heard of it. And of course, I paid dearly. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to stay out of trouble. It didn't happen a whole. It didn't happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we definitely couldn't get away with much because somebody knew somebody. Man, I know somebody. if I was pr- if I was coaching with my dad, I know I would be playing some tricks on him. Y'all ever do any of that stuff? I would be messing with him left and right. <laughs> Flanagan's not my dad, and I do everything I can. To mess with, maybe that's why he fired me from. If I was, you'd be a lot better. I can tell yeah, you. Well, you straighten know, your butt up. <laughs> but man, I, I mean, you, you, would you, y'all ever mess with him? On the coaching end, I'll tell you this: I had to go against. You know, every day of practice, I had to go against those two guys. So, like, you know, dad's dad, but then here's Coach Thompson over there, and so they both coached me. Once I started working with them, you know, like I said, you have to go against them. So anytime. I always aggravated my dad. I didn't mess with Coach T a whole lot, but I would, you know, because especially because I coach receivers and quarterbacks a lot, and dad was a secondary coach. So he's right when people would, you know, make catches and all kind of stuff. And they had, like, NFL players on defense, and we had, like, oh, bull. offense a lot of time. You know what I'm saying? So Toby, when, we, he when we made that, plays, he it was epic. Did but, he ever give you the Mickey Andrews cutthroat? Did he ever look across there and do <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what we we definitely didn't get it taken easy on us because i mean you know people would all the times be like oh well, your dad's a coach so you only made the team because of this you only made the team because your dad's a coach and blah 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 shoot you know how much hey sometimes mom had to come outside and pull dad dad off of me <laughs> in softball i mean it was constant i was out there all the time Oh, swing in the back. This is a swing. This is a swing. It. I'm like, dude, I didn't miss anything when I now free throws. Yes, like I will miss a free throw. At, at I mean, I could. Well, I tell you what, I'm probably the only player at Orangefield at Orangefield that had to stay after every single game and shoot free throws because. Oh, what was Co- what was Coach? Gosh, what was Coach Tinson's rule on uh, on free throws? But yeah, I was constantly shooting free throws over and over and over after, and I had to make like you had to make like a hundred before you could go home after the game. And I'm like, coach, like I can't even make ten, and now I got to see her make a hundred. I mean, my parents were waiting outside. I know. I mean, and it didn't matter if we were coming back from playing somewhere in Houston. If we got back at ten o'clock, I was at least going to be there till eleven thirty. And Coach Tennyson was going to stay there with us the whole time anyway. He didn't care. I mean, I, honestly, I think his he had a small house in the back there at the, uh, <laughs> at the court but but yeah uh, they never took it any easier on us they took it harder on us man we had running ropes gosh by the at time the, I was, at the house yeah we had running ropes at the house I mean at three four years old like dad was already training us on running ropes so I knew <laughs> like every you know because whenever they had two-day practices well I'd go up there and and watch them practice anytime any of those guys were falling out and not doing what they were supposed to trace my daughter can do it better my eight-year-old could trace get over here so i'll be able to <laughs> yeah, do it. Be doing i don't care if you're eight i don't care if you've done it 10 times already <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they, they didn't, definitely didn't take it easy on us at all hey tracy tracy tell them tell them how y'all would know when it was time to get up in the morning 
Well, whenever you put on the uh, the highlight videos. Hey, every morning we woke up to the highlight music, the highlight videos. Oh, 85, 87, 86, the highlight videos. I mean, we, we always, we had Dad's little VHS tape. Well, we'd be popping them in, and here it is. And we knew, and here's the thing, too, on all those highlight videos, it doesn't matter what year it is, what song pops up at any given time. If we're in a store, Dad knows exactly what play and who they were playing and where it was at. Astrodome, C.E. King, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was, yeah, you know, that's exactly how it is, Marcus, whenever y'all watch any of those highlight videos. You, you can't yeah. watch Top Gun without thinking of the video, uh -oh. huh? <laughs> White Snake, Top Gun, all of them. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Exactly. But yeah, he forgets the bread at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's not right. Vic won't let me go to the grocery store. So let me get this straight. Y'all woke up to dad popping in tapes, highlight reels from years past. That was y'all's alarm clock. Yeah. That is correct. Why? And how many of these does he have or did he have? Well, there's a lot, but we watched them. The main ones were probably 85 through 88 because it was a lot of winning there. Well, there was a lot of win there's been a lot of winning for a lot of years, but when we were young and we needed to be woken up, those were the you know, the 80s, the late 80s, or the mid to late 80s were what we watched. So you had four or five, and we just played over and over and over and over. And now they're on YouTube, so I watch them on YouTube. If we anytime we have a big game wherever I'm coaching, that is watched at some point during the week just to get yeah. up because that was my youth, you know, that's what I knew growing up. You know, watching the Mustangs play and then watching dad coach and uh, be on the sidelines. Me and Marcus were ball boys and Michael, we were ball boys. My first year being a ball boy was like 1985 or 1986. And um, so, I mean, and that was a big deal. You know, it was like an honor to be a ball boy for, you know, and, and you got, and it was right at the perfect time because we were on the sidelines for like, you know, three, the first three state championship games. And that was just a cool deal. You know, it was, it was really a, I don't know, it was just, it was special, you know, it was special. It was a special coaching staff, and it was a special time with all of us together. That sounds Over amazing. Here. I'm so happy for you, but do you realize how disgusted that makes me feel that you said for the first three state championships? <laughs> well, I admit, when Coach T has been there for all of them. I, I, you know, but, you know, like I said, it's the tradition is, is definitely, uh, the, you know, these guys are the reason that there's a tradition and with the other coaches. Uh, right. At the school, you know, because they were they got there when the school combined 1977. And we probably the people that have worked there for a long time probably bring up 1977 more than you've heard. 77 is brought up more at West Orange Stark than any other place because that's, that's when the rules went up. Together. Well, the rules went up later, but the school was combined in 80 in 1977. Coach Thompson, you lied to me then, Mark Coach Foreman. Y'all said those were that sign with those rules went up there in 1977. No, that was the year I was born. That's when you got the little card that has uh, 84. The card, the card that we use every every Thursday, that was in 77. Oh. That's what we were talking about that day. Right. The rules didn't go up until 84, the uh, spring of 84. Okay, well, I retract that. You're not a liar. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm glad you I'm glad you clarified that. Hey, let me let me throw something in here as a, as the father. And and to kind of let you know what uh you know what what he what some fathers would do for their children. In '86, we were uh it was September, sometime in September. Well, Toby was was eight years old, and uh he uh he was a big Chicago Bear fan. He was a 
Walter Payton fan. And uh, he asked me in September, he said, Dad, the Cowboys and the, uh, the Bears play in December, that third week in December. He can we go? And I said, yeah, son, we can go. Well, I, I you know, I, I kind of forgot about it. We're going to practice for the state championship game that week. And on Tuesday, Toby asked me, he said, Dad, the game's on, uh, the game's on Sunday uh, with the Chicago Bears. You know, are we ready to go? Well, I done forgot all about that. And so I went in the, in the, in the bedroom and I told uh, Vicky, I said, Vicky, I can't believe that he remembered that. And, uh, I, but I, I can't, I have to take him, you know, I have to take him. So, you know, we, we win the state championship on Saturday. Well, we get home and it's like 1130 at night. And so I told Vicky, I said, look, you know how much he hates to get up in the morning. He does not like to get up in the morning. So I said at about, at about 415, cause we're going to have to leave about 530 or six. I said at 415, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to wake him, try to wake him up. Well, when he says, no, he don't want to, well, then I'll be able to say, well, son, I tried to wake you up and you didn't want to go. So whatever, cause I didn't have ticket. I didn't have anything. Perfect. And so, and so w- w- I go in at 4.15, and I shake that booger up, and I said, Tobe, uh, it's time to get up so we can go to the ball game. That booger jumped out of that bed, and he said, Dad, let's go. <laughs> and so now then, I've got to take him to the Dallas Cowboys football game. We drive all the way with to no Dallas. With no tickets. With no tickets. You catch that No part. tickets, nothing. We pull, we pull into the stadium. And there's this guy standing there. He says, I have four tickets. And I just, you know, I told him, I said, how much are they? And are they close to each other? He says, they're $50 a piece and they're, they're right by each other. Well, the yeah. $50 was correct. The right by each other was not correct. And so we get in the stadium and we are, our, t- our seats are all over that stadium. And so what ended up happening in about a 32 degree weather, drizzling rain, so cold. I'm holding Toby at one end of the stadium and Vicky's holding Tracy at the other end of the oh, stadium. No. And we watch the Cowboys get the living doo-doo beat out of them by the Chicago Bears, 44 to nothing. And so we come out of, of the stadium and I, I looked up and I think there was a Daisy and up on, on 183 or whatever that road is. And I said, Vicky, we're going to go up there. We're going to get a room for three days and I ain't getting out of that room. But <laughs> That that's what we did. We we uh, we took them. We took those kids to the to the uh, Dallas Cowboy football game on that on that uh, Sunday, and I was so tired I couldn't hardly hold my eyes open. Yeah, but, and, um, and didn't Walter Payton get hurt during that game, and we really didn't even get to see him play? Not not for yeah, he got hurt at the beginning, and he didn't get to play very much. But uh, but I got to hold Toby the whole ball game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was. Uh, you know, that, that's what you do for your kids sometimes. It's awesome that you got coaches' kids. I mean, you got your daughter and the whole experience, she remembers, hey, Walter Payton got hurt and we didn't get to see him play the whole game. Exactly. That's what yeah. coaches' kids do. Yes. yes. Sometimes what coaches, what happens to coaches' kids too is dad has to take one of them to school and forgets to brush their hair before they – Oh, my gosh, school, yes. And then they have to stop at a random stranger's house and ask for a brush to – to brush it. <laughs> I did that. We had to stop. For, we, 
<laughs> I was specifically told, and this is what I was specifically told. You make sure that they do not wear these clothes, and you make sure that they brush their teeth and they brush their hair. Well, I'm in such a hurry that we run out of the we run out of the house. They're wearing the exact same stuff they wore the day before. And I'm almost to the school and I look over and Tracy's hair is going in five hundred different like directions. This? And I said, there is no way I can let that baby go to school like this. So I pulled in at a lady's name, uh, Jeanette Shepard. And I walked in there and I said, Jeanette, you're not going to believe what I did. She said, oh, yeah, I believe what you yeah. did. And, and so that's what that's what happened. Holy and uh, I, I, I got her hair fixed and, and, she, and I got fussed at a lot. There's, there's several there's several stories of, tr of dad trying to get us to school. There is that one time where... Uh, dad was trying to start the truck and apparently at some point this truck wouldn't officially start unless you kind of push started it and I, so I couldn't drive at this time but dad could well so he's gonna try to push and then jump into the car and then start it so I, I'm in the driver I'm in, I'm in the passenger side I got all my books and stuff and I'm like looking over at him this fool starts pushing the truck down the driveway he trips on a rock. It starts dragging him. So he's like holding on. And like, it's not that I didn't know what to do, but I was trying my best just not to laugh because I was like, I'm going to be in so much trouble. But it was so hard. And he was so pissed. When he got in that truck, it, it was so pissed. But I, mean, I, was, I was rolling. I was like, I mean, I just immediately was like, yeah, I just couldn't, like, I could I was like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. That was yeah. Well, well, coaches' kids they tend to have a little bit of a thicker skin, a little you know, they're able to laugh at stuff like that. When <laughs> when most kids are probably going, Oh my goodness, I hope they're all right. Coaches or kids are going, ah! No, no, we knew we'd be okay. I mean, you know, any family members we've had that have been run over in golf carts and <laughs> just all kind of stuff. So for dad to get you know, drug beside the truck. I mean, it was, it was just a normal day at the Foreman household. <laughs> really what it was. Uh, What's going on out there, honey? Oh, it's Tuesday. I got it. I got it. <laughs> That's taking us to school. You know how it is. Tell them about the toast every morning. <clears throat> oh yeah. So the toast. So he used to, cause my mom didn't work until we both went to school. So then she started working. So dad had to get us ready some mornings. So the alarm clock was the first alarm, and the second alarm was a smoke detector because he would burn the toast every morning. <laughs> every morning. That's a true story. That's a true story. But, but I will say this with the whole coaching kids thing, and you got to have thick skin. Like we were – I can't speak for all the kids, but I, I think I maybe can. We were emotionally – I mean, we weren't coaching clearly, and we weren't playing when we were little uh, for, for, the, for the high school team. But I can remember me and Marcus were ball boys. We were playing at Neyland in 1988 football season. And the West Orange had like a 40-something game win streak. And Neyland had scored late. I think we – there was some, I can't remember what happened. But they had scored a couple touchdowns late. There was only like a minute to go in the game. It's at Neyland, hostile environment. Me and Marcus were the ball boys. We're balling crying. Like, I'm, I'm – like, I can't even hardly see crying. And – so West Orange gets the ball. They return it. I don't know. There was a penalty. And the ball is like on the 20-yard line or 18. And so you're, you're, I'm about to watch this streak end of this long district win streak. And Deadman Lee is the quarterback. 
and he rears back and throws. Because I don't think Needland was really prepared for that, the end of the game. They didn't finish well. They weren't lined up. So the receiver on the uh, outside, on the Needland sideline, they were yeah. somebody or something Sheldon like that. Anyway, Devin, Devin Lee throws an 80-yard touchdown pass to Sheldon Smith. And I'm literally in the middle of the field crying, like celebrating with the team. But we were as emotionally involved as the guys on the sidelines were because we were on the field more than some of the guys were on the Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and the how, old, boys. how old are you at this time? I wasn't. I wasn't. In 1988. He's 10. I was nine or 10 years old. I was nine. Man, I was yeah, happy if my underwear got put on with the tag in the back at that age. And you already understand football. <laughs> I learned how to backpedal before I learned my ABCs, and that's just what it was. But I can remember Dad. I remember Dad specifically in 1986. Corsa and McKinney had played in the semifinals, and Dad had painted the kitchen wall white because you had the, the projector that was projected. There wasn't a VHS or anything like that. So there was a projector that was up on the wall, and he was watching. And there was, this, there was multiple fights in this game. And I remember Dad called me over. He goes, look at this, Toby. And so, bench clearing bra at least once, maybe twice, but it was definitely a violent deal. And I remember him telling me, like, this is going to be, like, this might be a problem, you know, type deal. Because we were getting ready, ready to play McKinney in the Dome for the first state championship game. And um, I didn't know a lot about football, but I did know that it, it appeared that McKinney, of course, can had a lot of talent out there. And, um, and it looked like it was going to be a tough matchup. But, but, you know, that's just little bitty things. I mean, dad painted the kitchen wall white. Like, who does that? And so, you know, at a young age, I knew I wanted to be a coach, you know, at a very, very young age. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Is that that's just something it was never an option? You never said, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to I want to try something else. And you, you just always knew it. Or did you ever get any pressure from dad or, you know? Like, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't none of that. I just I can remember specifically. I was really, really little at the time. And I know, you know, West Orange was blue and silver. And dad had me pop, propped up on the sink. And he was like fake shaving me, you know, with the with the cap still on. He was fake shaving me. And I remember he was getting ready to go. They played Houston Westbury on like a – it was a night that I couldn't go because I had school. And it was an away game. And so I was already upset and I was crying. And so – but I remember like it was – I just – one of the earliest memories – I thought dad coached for the Dallas Cowboys because it was the blue and silver. And so I was like, well, my dad, I went to school and told everybody, well, dad's going on a road game and he coaches for the Cowboys. And so I want to go coach for the Dallas Cowboys when I get older, you know, and so, but I've always wanted to be a coach. I don't know what else I would do if it wasn't for that, but dad never had to pressure me in that. That's just something I've always wanted to do, but I was fortunate enough to be around coach Thompson, you know, coach hooks, coach hooks, dad some phenomenal coaches at an early age and that that definitely made an impact on 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 myself well and that's 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 fantastic you know i you know this is going to be our father's day episode and you know most people would think well let's do this to honor dad and show love we wanted to do some stuff to embarrass the heck out of him so (laughs) i feel like i feel like cornell he's kind of gotten a, a free ride. Like he's sitting there on his throne and, you know, he's got his beautiful bride by his side and he's sitting there real quiet, uh, still looking at me like he's still trying to size me up, but everybody else, they're throwing the Mark Foreman under the bus and talking about how he's been, you know, drugged by cars and stuff. I think we need to give, you know, coach Thompson, some of the father's day roasting love. Cause he's in there like an angel. He's smelling like roses right now. I, I am an angel. 
Well, you got three of them on here now. So you well, got look, Amanda, I've got, I've you got, got Marcus one story. and Michael. So all of them Michael should be able to share something. I've got one story that Coach Foreman will remember that I'll tell on Dad. Heck yeah. So we're playing. What's up, man? We're playing uh we're playing at Livingston one night. We're all at Huntsville together. Coach Foreman's the head coach, dad's defense coordinator. I was a, the, one of the secondary coaches. Uh, I helped coach Foreman. I coached the safeties, and I didn't know whether it was blown up or stuffed. But what I, but I was responsible for calling the secondary coverages after Dad called the second uh, after Dad called the defensive front. Well, what I one one of the few things I did know was that if he called fifty three, which was our three three stack look, we needed to call one free with it, which is a man free look. So I'm okay, so really quick, so all for all of our friends in Sicily that, that don't know what that means, <laughs> disregard that last prior five seconds. Disregard that. But I tell you what, so so we got to get a signal in, and I'm the second half of that, and we better get it in because we get them out of the huddle before they snap the foot. The offense snaps the football, and Dad is in my ear, and I'm telling you, literally, my ears ringing. He's screaming 33, which is our quarters look. Again, disregard if you're across the pond. But uh, I'm steadily holding up the one free sign because I know, like I said, I don't know if it's blown up or stuff, but I know we're playing man free with this front. Yeah. And uh, long long story short, they bust out of the huddle. We get it done, so on and so forth. I think we, we, uh, we get out of there unscathed maybe. I can't remember what the score was. But after the game, we're hanging out on the tail, tailgate of a, a truck eating a post-game meal. And Coach Foreman and I are sitting there, and Dad kind of walks up, and hell, I think he's still pissed off at me. And he looks at me and just kind of starts grinning. He he admitted it only took him about two hours to admit he was wrong. <laughs> like Dad, you can't you can't run thirty three with fifty three. It takes twelve people. That's a penalty. <laughs> now, 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 you guys, correct me. If, is that Joey Fatone that just joined us? Oh, look there at that guy. So. Man. Uh, Quick question. It, something, I don't know. I mean, look at him. He's, I, I feel like he looked, this is exactly how he looked when he was like eight years old too. Like looking at him right now, like that looks just like, is it fair to say hey. that your dad, Coach Thompson, is stubborn? Yeah, slightly. Yeah, patience. A little bit. patience is not a virtue. Uh, impatient and maybe. A little um, bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's not, it takes him two hours to say, yeah, good call now. And I forgot about that. But will he admit when he's wrong or even off the field, just regular stuff? Is he one of those guys that has always got to figure out, he's always got a way that's like, in this situation, I would be right, though. Always able to spin it. <laughs> he's got that coach's I, voice. Say, that I'd coach's voice it. where it hurts your feelings, where it doesn't matter if you, what you've done. It's he can he can tell you in a certain way that and he might not mean it that way, but it comes out that way to where you're just in the other room crying because he's, and, he's then, mad and, then, and then let me and then let me guess. And then he's able to come back and twist it the right way to make you feel better because he's done that for a living too, right? Hey, no, he don't actually, twist nothing. Actually, he comes back <laughs> like nothing ever happened. We don't know what he did. Hey, <laughs> sorry, honey. When he, is the lasagna coming? Hey, he don't twist nothing. I'll get you. No, that exactly, right Mark. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll he that. just pretends like it never happened. I, hey, should, I, I cannot emphasize enough how 
refreshing this is to have wives and daughters on here because it's been just just dads and men like this whole whole entire time and i love how uncomfortable coach thompson looks right now he was sitting in his throne in the class in, in the field house last time he was sitting there bold and proud and seven foot tall and bulletproof and i've got this legacy i'm the man this is my kingdom and now he's sitting there like he's nervous on his, on, next to his hey, beautiful bride because she's about to blow his cover. I'm only uncomfortable with his fourth and one on the goal line. I do have a very funny Coach Thompson story. I got, love it. I have a better story on Coach T than anybody. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we're at coaching school, okay? It seems like every story that's ever happened that we've had in 20 uh, something episodes. A lot of the most epic ones have all started with we were at coaching school. <laughs> so look, we're in coaching school. We're in coach school at Austin. And I can't remember where Marcus is. I can't remember where Marcus is coaching at, but it was uh I think I was at West Orange and I was with dad and Cornell and and uh and Marcus. Oh, he, he made me coach with Flanagan. But anyway, so it's me and Marcus and a couple other coaches, like Ricky Tellis. <laughs> we, we have went out and we've we, <laughs> We drank some Kool-Aid and stuff. You know, it's like o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And I said, look, I said, I want y'all to watch this. This is how dialed in this guy is. Just watch watch what's about to happen. So I pick up the phone, right? It's like 3.30 in the morning. And so I call, I call T. And I said, uh, hey, T. I said, uh, I said, I got some coaches in the room. I got you on speakerphone. I said, I'm going to give you a scenario. I said, it's a state championship game. It's fourth down and goal from the two. I said, what defense, you got to stop. And there's no time left on the clock. What, or there's two seconds on the clock. What defense are you running? I'm not lying. 3.30 in the morning. He didn't cuss me or nothing like that. He he kind of, uh, he said, what's the formation? I said, I, I, coach, I, I said, my, my man right. is always dialed in. When I became the offensive coordinator at West Orange, he used to tell me, we would, we would you know, because he watched film. Coach Thompson watched film and dad different than anybody. They get a, they get a pad, right? Mark, they don't care about huddle and the breakdown. So they're looking on this pad and they write the, you know, check mark. And I don't know what all the checks mean, but they know what it means. And so by like Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, he's a DC, I'm an OC. And um, he would come over there and he'd be like uh, 15 or, or 19 or 20. And he was telling me, if we score that amount of points, we're going to win the game. And he was never wrong. And he never really ever told me. I can't remember him. One time, I think he said 24. Other than that, it was like 14 or 10 or 9. And um, so my defensive coordinator, now he's from West Torres, and I asked him, why can't you do that? You know? <laughs> you know How was he able to do that? Because he's Coach T. Because <laughs> he's Coach T. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Look exactly. how tickled he is. His face is See, getting that, all red. He loves that, that stuff. That was a great thing about, and, and I think this is a relationship that he and I had, and, I, <laughs> and I'm very proud of this, in that, I, I, you know, Marcus was talking about a while ago, the, the 53 and 33 coverage call. And I, I don't know, and, and I've watched coaches and I've talked to coaches and uh, especially defensive coaches, and I, we worked together for so long. And we, and like he, like Toby said, we had specific ways that we did stuff. 
And because we did those things exactly the same, it was just, it was something I can't explain. I just knew what he was going to do and he knew what I was going to do. So we never had to stop and discuss it. We just, we just knew it. And that was, that was a relationship that, that meant a whole lot to me. That's uh, special. Yeah. Because we just, we were, we were always on the same page and it was, and it was because we, we stayed in, we stayed in that video room. We watched it and watched it and watched it and shared it. I, I, Toby's right. I, I would, I loved it because I would be at 1030 at night and I would be looking at different scenarios and different things that the opponent would do. And I could call him. I say, look, Conroe, what, what, what are we going to do if they do this? And we would sit on the phone for two and a half hours and discuss exactly what we were going to do. And, and it didn't matter what time I called him and it didn't matter how many times I called him. And I, I told my wife one day, I said, that's the one thing that I miss more than anything else of coaching at West Orange with Cornell, because I miss those phone calls. I miss the phone calls. He would call me or I would call him. And I, and I missed that. I, I, I really did miss that a lot. And, uh, but anyway, he, yeah, that's, for sure. that's a special situation. Okay, now anybody feel free to answer this. Football coaches, notorious, crazy, stupid hours, right? As a kid growing up, your options are basically do it with them or see them when you see them. How did you guys come to grips with that? Was it something that you just accepted right away? Or I mean, I mean, that's that's a that's a special sorority fraternity club coaches kids that that if you're not one of them you just don't understand growing up in a field house or growing up moving all the time or or growing up not seeing dad until christmas or thanksgiving because they're always leaving when you're you know before you woke up and they're probably arriving back home when you're going to bed how does that play how how, does that put a strain on it does it make it fun the time you have that's why that's why the kids were around the field house all the time. That's why that's where we spent our time and grew up together. I was fortunate uh, that uh, I had two boys there, and uh, but uh, all the kids. That's why they spent around athletics, was around the field house, around us so much. So that's where that to the, have that time together. Yeah, to have time together. That's how that gap got closed. Got closed. Hey, Matt, that even gave you an opportunity to get your ass whipped with a weight belt in the weight room once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? Why is that? <laughs> oh, well, it depends on which time. <laughs> depends on which time. If, if you're practicing the option pitch in the weight room mirror and it accidentally slips and you shatter one, something of that nature. That just sounds like <laughs> a, a, a simple misunderstanding. Yeah, you're out <laughs> working. Yeah. Work. yeah, right. <laughs> About some people later. would call that capital punishment not me but yeah. i mean some people might nowadays <laughs> all the football all the football pads and i mean we would build forts out of these things and then we would get in trouble and we would have to stack them all back up and stuff but i mean every summer hey coach t coach brooks they all taught me how to play poker how to play 31 how to play slapjack hey the only way i could get quarters for the vending machine down the hallway 
was to beat one of those guys in poker. And so every <laughs> summer, you know, they were over the basketball. What was it? Summer ball. And so they would have to like sit in the gym all day, every summer. And I mean, we would do our best to get as much snacks out of the snack machine or hope to goodness that somebody made a water burger run and bring us burgers because none of them would ever leave the gym. So we were like, mom, can you come and bring us some food? <laughs> so yeah. at, at what age are you learning to play poker and you're learning all these games? At what age are you trying to swindle these guys for vending machine money? Oh, what, probably about, how old was that? Dad? Probably about eight, nine. Yeah, <laughs> about, about eight or nine years old. Yeah. I mean, awesome. that's right about the time you became a deacon at the church mark that's, and then you're right. over here teaching your daughter how to play poker no, today no 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 hey i never played poker because <laughs> i would never win poker so i didn't play if i ain't gonna win i ain't gonna play so she was the representative from the family uh Hey, did you guys ever, uh, so I know y'all all grow Marcus and Michael and I think Miranda's off right now, but she had to go to a business meeting. Okay. Uh, they, so, are, they all work. We don't see they're all driving. Exactly. I, I know those two jokers. I know the two Thompson boys, they ain't working. They're riding around. They, who knows what they're doing? I've worked with them dudes before, but so I know with my daughters, uh, Matt, we can't, Oh, okay. You muted yourself. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he's an amateur. Uh, so my girls, Courtney and Kaylee and, and Marcus, you and Michael were, were, we were all working. No, I was at Orangeville. So that was at Crosman. You guys, we worked together, but uh, there were stories in the summertime when basically they'd come up in the summer and I had them all summer. We'd buy a wiffle ball bat and some balls and just, we'd turn them loose. We didn't know where they were throughout the whole day. There's about five of those little rascals running around. They'd come back and one day, uh, old Blake Morrison's son uh, got bit with a turtle. They still talk about that. The time the turtle bit Blake's son on the finger because he stuck his, his hand down in a bucket. And uh, <laughs> Kaylee was in kindergarten and jumped on the uh, golf cart, backed it into the Orangefield field house, still got a big old dent in it. Courtney's right yeah. in the name coach's bathroom it's probably still there today what uh i know y'all were just cut free i know i in the summer just like you were talking about trading what are some of the things that happened back in those i days? got a story i got a story wait 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 and, and then after this i want michael to talk because poor guy's been trying to talk for a while um no dad tell him about whenever toby got locked in one of the loggers oh that was that was when our first that's that now we were real young. Oh, he was real, real young. He was like he was like three. And uh I was working at uh Western Stark and I was at the uh the the East Campus and I was on the second floor. And uh so Toby had come to school with me and uh we were we were in the in the um in the my classroom and it was I think it was the last day of school and so I told him I said Toby you know you just stay around the hallway you know don't go anywhere but in this hall and so I'm working doing some grades that was before you had to do the computer and all of a sudden I don't hear him and I walked out in the hall and I didn't see him so I went back to work in my room and then all of a sudden miss uh gladys parker one of our teachers she comes into my room and she's crying she said coach i i don't know where your son is but he's uh, he's in one of the lockers and the lockers have been shut and they're all locked 
And so I go outside and I can hear him and he's, he's kind of crying and, and I don't know which locker he's in. So I'm going up and down the hall trying to find which locker he's in. What they do and so them. I finally, I finally get to the one he's in and I said, son, are you in there? <laughs> and and I said, well, look, I tell you what, I said, look, uh, we're we just the, the lights have been turned out there, and you're okay because Daddy's right outside the door. We're going to have to work real hard. I said, look, I want you to try to find a light switch in there. Try try to light, try to find it. Just be calm. And when I said be calm. He lost it. And so he's really crying. He's going crazy. And Miss Parker and Miss Hill is going all over that whole place trying to find uh, uh, Johnny Roy and, and have him, no, Jimmy Wayne, and have him come and open up that, 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 that locker. So finally they find Jimmy. He comes up there and – Finally, he, he finds the key that goes into one of those lockers, and we open up, and there he is. And I, I, I got a whipping when I got home from Biggie. But um, I, I just that that was that was one of the things that that stick in my mind. Also, uh, it was a, a really it was a really eventful day. And that was uh, a tough experience Mr. for you as a junior uh, in high school, uh, wasn't it? Hey. <laughs> hey. Needless to say, I'm claustrophobic to this day. Needless to say. Yeah. But, Miss Hill. They'd lock us in lockers. Miss Hill, and everybody knows this, Miss Hill, she gave me a good fuss or two, and, and, and she, she reminded me of that until I left in 2011. She still was reminding me about me locking my son in that locker. <laughs> Hey, I want uh, I want Michael to tell the story on Dad about when he got ejected from the uh, West Orange Stark Lincoln baseball game. Yes, oh. that'd be a good. All right. Well, let's see, Dad. Was that that was my sophomore year of high school? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was uh, sophomore year of high school. Um, I was catching. We're at West Orange Stark playing the Lincoln Bumblebees in baseball. And um, we had a base – Lincoln had a base hit to center field. And our center fielder, Chad, my stepbrother, he fields the ball and comes up to make a play at the plate. The, the, the base runner for Lincoln was on second base – at the beginning of this base hit, and then he's going to score. And so Chad fields the ball, and he's going to throw the throw the kid out at home. Just so happened to be that the guy coming home was uh, Sean Derrick Charles. Lincoln running back, went to SMU. Uh, Jamal Charles. Jamal older Charles' older brother, yeah. Yeah. So the ball that Chad threw in from center field – made me step up the third base line just a couple of steps, but it was a perfect throw. One hop, bam, it hit my glove. And as soon as it hit my glove, I got trucked. I mean, just like uh, like Ray Lewis just ran into me. <laughs> and uh, I actually got to see it on video one time. I disappeared out of the video. <laughs> but... You know, I've, I've I've taken my fair share of lickings, but 
when he and I don't mind getting ran over. I've been ran over before, but when he ran me over, he he kind of mumbled a little bit, you know, talking a little smack to me as he was getting up off of me, and my fuse my fuse burnt real quick, and so uh, I came up <laughs> like a like a Tasmanian devil and shoved him off of me, and I, the umpire immediately jumps in the middle of us, and the bench is clear, and the next thing you know, Dad's got a hold of me, and he's pushing me back towards the <laughs> pushing me back towards the dugout going stupid stupid <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it not not like well, you would have done the same thing what are you doing <laughs> yeah i just got ran over <laughs> and so me and sean Derek charles get ejected i i get time to get back to the dugout being told I was stupid over and over and <laughs> I'm fuming pissed off. So all I can do is grab a couple of things. I guess I had maybe I might have had my helmet and my mask back in my hand, threw it in my catcher's bag and I threw it over my shoulder and I left the dugout and went to the started heading to the locker room. And um so I went in the locker room, threw my bag down all mad and stuff and then you know at West Orange you can you can step right outside the locker room and you can see the baseball field so I thought well hell after I took a few minutes and cooled off for a second there was a little five gallon bucket right there inside the the baseball locker room door and uh I grabbed that bucket and I opened the door to sit down and just watch the rest of the game well everybody's leaving uh Lincoln baseball players are walking out the gate going to get on the bus and so I'm confused like what what's going on here and so, of course, all my teammates come in the locker room a few minutes later, and I'm just kind of – I don't really know what to do, honestly. I'm just sitting in front of my locker with my door open, just pissed off. And uh, and waiting. That, that, yeah, just waiting on what, what, what what's going to happen here. Waiting so, for him, right. <laughs> dad, dad walks in uh, walks in the locker room and uh, sticks his head kind of down the, down the locker room aisle there. And uh, – said meet me in my office well that's never fun not not when his face is red so uh so i'm like shit so i go to i I leave the baseball locker room walk outside i go down to the football field house where his office is and i walk in his office and he's literally maybe one of the first two or three times I've seen him actually kicked back in his office chair is usually is up on the edge of his chair doing something, but he's kicked back in his office chair with this big ass smile on his face. <laughs> and I did not think it was funny at all. I was like, that? <laughs> what are you smiling at? He said, hell, he goes, I would have done the same thing. My uniform stupid, all that. But anyway, I'll never forget that. Thanks for bringing that up, Mark. Yeah, I, I definitely never got that same reaction when I almost got kicked out of a basketball game. Yeah, it definitely wasn't very happy with me. Hey, I got, yeah, I got thrown well, out of a church. I got thrown out of a church league basketball oh. when I got the business. I got the business. <laughs> How does yeah. one get thrown out of a church league basketball game? We were playing in Vodder. I mean, it was it was a physical game. I felt like officials were not calling it fairly, and I voiced my opinion. It wasn't just 
One of my other teammates got thrown out. Newly Hunt got thrown out of the game. I love how you just drawed his name just to bring yeah. him down with you. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm backing up my teammate. Isn't I'm backing up my teammate. He's a preacher now. <laughs> he's a preacher now? That's <laughs> <Yeah, so thank laughs> what I think he is. What was y'all doing then? Baptist playing a Methodist? What was you doing, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, it's Orangefield Baptist playing Vider Baptist. Hey, Dad, thought, Dad thought that was the safest place for us was in church ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we made our way out. <laughs> yeah. What's some of the craziest stuff y'all have ever heard, even if y'all were kids, like things that you've heard them tell officials or tell other coaches or tell players? You guys must have heard some craziness on that sideline. Yeah, well, I, I got – we can't say a lot of that stuff on the air, but – Yeah, absolutely you can. Lot, what are you talking I mean, about? There's, there's a lot. It's a fun – I'll tell you there's a funny story. When I, was, when I was coaching with Dad and Coach T, and my defense coordinator now, Roy Locks, who played at West Orange with me, and then he coached there with me. Um, we were playing a JV game. I can't remember what night it was, but we were playing a JV game, and somebody was – Yeah, I can't remember if it was Dad or it was Coach T's – Somebody was was just kind of chirping at the officials. It was a JV game, though, so there's no band, and it's not really loud. And so I guess the guy was far enough on the field, he couldn't really tell who it was. And so when he came over there, he kind of was like – he gave you the look, like, y'all better calm down the sideline. Well, we don't calm down on our sideline. It's, it's all on our side. Well, somebody else said something, but it wasn't Roy. My demons coordinator wasn't him. Well, the official came over there, and he everybody else just kind of – Step back, and Roy was still standing there, and he said, "One more word out of you, and you're out of here, buddy." And Roy was like, "What do you mean?" He looked down there, and Dad and Coach T just kind of snickered because on, on Thursdays, on Thursday nights, sometimes, sometimes somebody else that's not a coordinator gets to partake in the calling of the well offense for sure, not as much defense, but but um, but Roy was we were young, we were really young, so they try to. You know, they try to give you some more responsibility. So Thursday nights for us was like that was kind of like our Friday if you if you're calling some plays. And so you get an opportunity. It was just funny because Roy got caught up in that madness. But I will say this. I can remember in 1988, West Orange is coming off of back-to-back state championship uh games, uh victories. And we start off the year and beat Newton and then lost 10 to 7 at Lamar against Beaumont Westbrook. And then for the first time ever, hosted Beaumont Central as a home game. And so I can remember um, we lost the game 24-21. They kicked a late field goal. I think there was a turnover involved late. And the old field house used to be where I, I don't know what's there now, but it was like the baseball track locker room. That used to be the old football locker room. So Coach Thompson got down there. Like somehow he was down there, and it was just me and him. And there was this old wooden chair. And as I was walking in, he had it over oh, yeah. Just, he smashed the chair and it went like into a million pieces. And so I just went, usually I turned and ran the other way. I was like, no, nah, I'm not ready to go in there at this point. But he was very, very angry at the end of that game. But I can tell you, there's a lot of times where I feel like West Orange worked the officials, the coaches really well to get kind of, you know, favorable calls kind of in our way because of the, because of what they were saying to the officials. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was, it was definitely uh, influential. Let me say it was definitely influential information. <laughs> it was a lot of influence going on on that West Orange Stark sideline. Between <laughs> Coach Hooks and these guys, a lot of influencing. 
I have one more thing to say, if that's okay. Uh, of course. Okay. Um, I was I was just going to talk about the kids being raised in the the coaching aspect and and their understanding of it and all. I had worked at uh, Honeywell at one of the plants there in Orange, and we had a company picnic. Of course, Cornell and all the kids come with me to the picnic, and I had bought Cornell a little seven-inch TV so that he could watch LSU play football that day. Well, our plant manager liked LSU as well, and he graduated from high, from college there. And uh, so he came over there and sat and talked with Cornell, and they watched the football game and talked about football and all. And the kids played, had a great time. We got ready to leave, and we're all in the vehicle. And Michael comes up from the back seat, and he said, Hey, Dad, um, who was that man that you were talking to at the picnic back there? And uh, he said, well, that, that was Daryl Reed. He's the uh, plant manager. And uh, Michael said, uh, who? And he said, he's the plant manager. And Michael said, what does he do? And Cornell said, he's the head coach. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I know exactly yeah. who, what you're talking about now. <laughs> you got to put it in the right terms. Yeah. Yeah. In the right terms, exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Miss Thompson, since we, we don't ever have this opportunity. So I'm really excited to hear this. What's the differences, good, bad, indifferent? What's the differences between a coach's wife and a coach's mom? <laughs> Uh, I don't have much influence over as far as being the coach's mom. I do on <laughs> with him, or or should I say, by the time that that Marcus and Michael were coaching, I will. I do have a funny story about with Fort Natchez when Marcus was at Crosby, and Crosby came to play Fort Natchez, and and he was fussing about the the kids doing something, and I mean the parents in the background were just, and Marcus was barely fussing he wasn't fussing at all in baseball in, in yeah baseball because i live with this but uh, uh <laughs> the, the parents back there the parents back there were all just complaining about marcus getting onto the kids and i turned around and looked at them and i said you sure couldn't have handled marcus's daddy and they're like well what do you mean is he is is uh marcus worse than his daddy you gotta be you gotta be kidding me all of y'all would be crying all the kids would be crying the game would be over with you would have to you would be leaving the stadium no you couldn't handle cornell thompson did you just see the pride on on cornell's face just then when she said that look, how, look at that pride man it's just like you damn right they couldn't thanks for telling mama yeah no they they uh Marcus and I will admit that Marcus has has some temper. I have no idea where he got it from. No, it's hard but to tell you. Guys, so y'all are both so even keel. Hey, let, let me. Hey, let me let me tell you this. Let me let me tell you a little bit of story about Marcus and 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 his reaction to things. We were coaching at Palestine, and uh, they that we had a guy that was doing some things at Marcus, uh, the guy that Marcus was coaching and he wasn't doing very well. And Marcus kind of voiced his displeasure with the kid's effort and with what he was doing. And they kind of got into it. And uh, so Cornell comes over and he's going to get on to Marcus. And so Marcus uh, took just about all that he was going to take. And he took that kid's helmet and he set, a new world's record for 
the distance a human can throw a football helmet over <laughs> the, the where we were practicing was on a baseball field, over the dugout, over the cars, into the parking lot. <laughs> and I, there was there was a little bit of counseling going on after that little, little incident, too. <laughs> that, that was about as good as I've seen. I, I, a world's record as how far you can throw a football helmet. helmet. throw. And that's, yeah, what, that's what Marcus did. And Cornell was right after him. Uh, I think he can throw a T-shirt, too. I'm not – I can't remember if you threw that T-shirt we were together at Crosby. Well, well I can't remember the kid's that name. Was, that was well, Rusty Shaw. Rusty Shaw in, pre, in pre-practice, he had his practice jersey tucked up front, tucked under his shoulder pads, and there was a gray shimmel under, and I could see, like, the bottom of some purple print, and I'm going – you got to be kidding. I said, what does that say? I think I was I was working with the punt returns or something. And he had a Dayton Broncos shirt on, which is, you know, cross the road right down the road. And uh, and I so now I'm just dog cussing the whole line of punt returns. I can't believe y'all let him get out of the field house like that. Where I come from, he, he wouldn't have made it out of the field house, so on and so forth. Well, the kid, I was heated up, but he said something right in the midst of all this. So I ripped his shimmel out from under his pads, and we went on with practice. <laughs> he got the kids so riled up, they took the shirt, went through it on top of a building, and said, "You can't have it back; it's gone." And yeah, he had to, it was a scene down there. They got the rest of all their other shirts and threw them away, and they had nothing to do with Dayton, just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, Michael? Well, I was fixing to tell y'all I got to run and meet my family for dinner, but I have to leave y'all with this. Yeah, let's hear it. I know everybody on this call remembers MC Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great lead into a story. I mean, that's all that's all we got here. My dad could do the best MC Hammer <laughs> dance across the kitchen floor in his house shoes. Marcus we was shit. <laughs> it was that's amazing. Oh, oh. <laughs> I know you can't can't slide like that now, but that's a challenge. I got to tip my hat to you. That's a challenge, and we're gonna need a video of that so we can that so we can put it on our Twitter. Yes, I don't I don't do that anymore with four D operations. I can't do that anymore. Dad didn't go anywhere in the house without house shoes, so you always knew he was coming. Exactly, because you could hear his feet. And then uh, every once in a while, if Dad still had a little bit of energy left from practice or what have you, uh, he would bust into a little MC Hammer slide on the kitchen floor. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We may actually, we may actually uh, have a video of Dad at a at a um, oh one of the pepper alleys doing a pepper alley. Yeah. We're gonna need yeah. we're gonna need yeah, some video flip. proof of some of this stuff, the backflip or the MC yeah. hammer. We're gonna need something. Well, for, there is proof of the backflip. Fortunately and unfortunately, we didn't have videos then, so <laughs> I think I, I would be willing to pay money to see him do a backflip. I'm just throwing it out there. I think yeah. we can charge admission. Gotta you know fight. why your dad was able to slide so easy on that floor? Because he cleaned it with WD-40. This was before we got married. It was so slick, you could not walk across it without sliding across it. And I'm like, where did you ever hear about 
cleaning your floor with WD-40. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God just wanted it to be smooth. <laughs> oh, hey, he wanted he wanted to perform the MC Hammer at, at the tip top. <laughs> exactly. That's why he did it. He didn't want to tell me that. He was Ms. probably embarrassed to tell me that. Mrs. Thompson, <laughs> he told me that story when we first met, and I, I'm going to spill the beans, Coach. I'm sorry. He said that he did that on purpose so that for the future, from then on, you would never <laughs> ask him to do anything else again because he would mess it up. There you go. <laughs> hey, that's why I go. can't. That's why I can't. Uh, I can't wash clothes now because yeah. everything that Vicky has that's anywhere close to white is either like beige or, or no. brown Pink. or red this or whatever is, else. This is why we don't let dad mow. We don't let dad turn on <laughs> any power tools. Dad, has, dad could turn on a bust an entire window, like an entire window within five minutes. Hey, I tell you what, we're all on the property cleaning off the property. Dad takes a dad takes a machete, one whack with a machete, the machete breaks. Kid you not. <laughs> he, he rented some equipment. This fool's trying to put the equipment back on the trailer. He puts it on the trailer. As soon as it lands on the trailer, he breaks the trailer. I'm like, who does this? Dad does that. <laughs> this broke his hand and I think I have a picture now I have a picture of this this guy decides hey I'm gonna climb up a ladder with a uh with a uh, not a chainsaw what'd you have you had a uh like some type of a handsaw on a ladder yeah. trying to saw yeah. a board and and I had I had to take the, the camera out because I was like oh this <laughs> accident waiting to happen but no no the very next day i think like the pole fell on him he goes to catch it breaks his hand and mom's gotta drive him to the mom's gotta drive him somewhere she's about to pass out no i'm telling you this one here doesn't get to wash clothes but and the thing is i mean it's not that he's not trying really he's not listening because you know mom's like don't put it this way and he'll put it that way and it's a lot of nodding heads going on not listening yeah, I'm starting to think about that because every time uh, after Cornell shaves or something, baby, my sink is running a little slow. You need to come check it. I'm starting to wonder about that, Tracy. You talking about your daddy? You know, they've been best friends for so long. I, there might be some kind of coercion there together. With Guys, the, I'm sorry. I know? had to do it. <laughs> they can't hear. They can't hear. That's why dad's got those headphones on. He's got like a mask <laughs> Toby, Tracy, how many times has your dad come home over the years with an open wound on his forehead because somebody came to individual tackling drills half-stepping? I was wondering who was going to bring oh. this up. I Sorry. get this every year from somebody. I'll let Toby tell you, but, but I get people oh. that come to me and they're like, did your dad really do that? Yeah, tell us. Okay, so this is what dad does at least once a year, okay? So if we're having a bad day or, or the DBs aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing in tackling drills, so what he'll do is he'll take somebody's face mask and he'll just <laughs> until he starts bleeding. And he won't touch it, and he'll finish practice with blood dripping down. Oh, God. Yeah. So he looks Kevin like a professional Green. wrestler. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's taking other people's helmets and put them on and tackled people before. <laughs> how long, and, how long and ago so are we people, talking? It's I'm talking about last year. Yeah, he was with yeah. me last year. Yeah, this right. happened <laughs> last year. 
every year. Dude, every year at two day practices. Every, every it happens every year. Wow. <laughs> I love the fact you said my, I was waiting to see who was going to bring that up. To my knowledge, it's never happened twice in a year. I think one time because they realized there's something wrong with this guy. We need to listen yeah. to the situation. But um, but he definitely gets people's attention with that, you know. He definitely. I mean, yeah. if dad if dad's ever coached you, then that's like the number one story that that always comes up. I'm sure <laughs> we're about to hear a bunch of that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every year you're gonna every year you're gonna get a forehead gash out of him every season, and you're gonna go back to the blue line at least once when you're three quarters through with practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say yeah. this though, with back to the amount of time that we kind of spend with 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 our dads growing up, and um, like I said again, all I knew from like seventy seven to eighty nine, because in eighty nine, dad left for a couple of years to go be the head coach of athletic director at Orangeville, was West Orange and the coaches at West Orange. Well, Coach Thompson and Coach Hooks were the, I think those those may be the only two guys that were there, and Coach Anderson. Throughout the, that that first little span, Dad was at West Orange, and so we would go scouting with him. I mean, we would go. You know, you try to get as much time as you can. I know Dad would come pick me up sometimes, and I would go to practice. There was certain days where I would come, but being a ball boy and then being there in the summertime, those are just that's the most time you can spend with them. Because just like you said, when they wake up in the morning, you know, you're probably still asleep. But when they come home, you're about to go to sleep when you're little. But um, we've had some good time. As both families, we've had some good times together. I will say this, and I don't think Coach T knows this, but Coach Jerry Nichols gave me my first ever taste of alcohol beer at Coach Thompson's 40th birthday party. <laughs> I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old. He, he let me drink out of a spig. It was a keg. And he said, come here, boy. He let me drink out of a spig. And that later became my receiver's coach. Drank, drank my first beer. <laughs> Party where there was a belly dancer because I think that was my experience. That was it. Yeah, belly dancer. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, after forty years old. Yeah. Friend of mine did that. I had no clue she was doing that. Okay. I was like, I wasn't impressed, Trey. I wasn't impressed. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I I just remember. I I sat there on the stool with that dumb look on my face. I was drunk. Yeah, I don't I remember. No I was. That was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ten year old got you drunk. <laughs> Passed out in the corner over there someplace. Yeah. <laughs> At ten years old. And I was like, oh, "What's happening?" <laughs> Toby, was was you there when I cut my finger off on the seven man sled? I was not coaching there, then, Coach. I wasn't coaching with you then. I thought you might have been. You wouldn't play it then, huh? No, I don't uh, think that was no. like in okay. Chad and Michael were playing. Okay, yeah, that was a little right. bit after I graduated. He's probably yeah. in a locker someplace. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, in a locker. Right. <laughs> Locked up. Yeah. He was on lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's standing on the sled and yeah, we're, we're doing our fourth quarter on the sled. I know Botley <laughs> was standing right there by me. And they snapped that flat bar and it pinned my finger. Pinned that finger and it took 12 stitches to sew it back on. Back together, so that's not all the story. No, uh, they call the the trainer calls me and he said, Francis, first of all, I just want you to know that he's okay. Well, as soon as you say he leads in with that, you know, something's wrong. Well, Chad's playing, Michael's playing, and then Cornell's out there. And he said, But, um, 
uh, Cornelius cut his finger really, really bad. And um, you're going to need to come get him to take him to the hospital and have it have it looked at. Well, Cornell couldn't. He, he told me that he was white as a sheet, and, you know, he's not white. He's he, he dark like it, but they said he was white as a sheet and couldn't speak, and he asked the trainer how long he had before it got infected or whatever. And the, before we had to sew it up. Before yeah. we had to sew it up, and the trainer said, well, you had a couple hours. He goes, well, tape it up, and let's finish practice. So they tape it up. I, <laughs> I passed the hospital. You know that Mark Foreman is not at West Orange Stark on two different occasions because – I know that Mark would have taken Cornell to the hospital. All the yeah. other coaches don't have a clue what to do. I have to pass the <laughs> hospital, come and pick him up, then take him back to the hospital because nobody else knows what to do to, to take him to the hospital. That same thing happened when he had a, his gallbladder, which was exactly six weeks after his hand. Yeah. So Funny he, how the story's kind of, you know, you get a different version from, you know, the wife then yeah coach. a little bit different yeah yeah he had, he goes to the hospital and he has a staff meeting that night well i had to come get him they were at practice they'd gone scouting the night before and in conroe he ate it ryan's golden corral or something yeah. you know and he's not feeling good he's running fever they're they're like we're lucky that we got him in but they called me from at the house i had to pass the hospital go pick him up at the field house and there's 12 coaches sitting there and i'm like none of them could have taken him and like i'm saying mark wasn't there because there's no doubt in my mind mark would have gotten him to the hospital yeah. well he was still he was still getting drugged behind that car he still he was still in a right. bad spot too there you yeah. go, there you go. anyway cornell has a they put him in the hospital overnight they real they bring in uh uh rolling cart with the TV and a VCR on it and all. And they have it. He has a staff meeting. There is the defensive staff comes up there and the nurse comes out there. And, and she said, uh, well, I, I had no clue who he was, who, he, and I'm like, what do you mean? And she said, well, all those nurses are down there just saying, Oh, Cornell Thompson's in the hospital. Cornell and I'm like, who is he? The governor or something? They said, Oh no, he's the football coach. <laughs> I'm like, he's football coach. He's kind <laughs> of a big deal. People yeah. Know him. Yeah. It's, it's hey, hey, I, I will, I will tell you one story too. And I mean, I, I'm sure Marcus knows this one, but so, I mean, growing up in a coaching family with coaches that are so involved, and, and maybe this is where I got my, you know, my, my whole video, video editing experience and all that from, but, you know, dad would come home. Well, first of all, anytime there was, I mean, on Saturdays or on Sundays when the football games were on, you know, we, we all had TVs in our room with, you know, VCRs. Well, during football season, all the TVs and all the VCRs ended up all in the living room. And <laughs> every single TV. And of course the VCRs were right there with him because he was recording every single game. And and I'll take a picture of this for you. I'll go and take a picture right now. But that fool still has every single tape, VHS tape. They're all under his stairs in the closet right now, and they're all labeled what game, what year. I mean, they're all yeah. right there. Wow. Yeah. Okay, no, this is this is how this is how many games he's got. So you know, back back then, whenever you had VHS tapes, so you had uh, he would label them all A through Z. Well, then after you know we went A through Z, well then it was A A through Z Z. Right now it's like quadruple 
A through quadruple Z. And here's the thing on Saturday mornings, you know, that's whenever the cartoons would come on Saturday mornings. And so we had one tape. We had the M tape. M tape was our tape. Like mom told me M tape, our tape. Dad doesn't touch M tape. No games can be recorded on M tape. One morning I get up to pop in my Saturday morning cartoons that we recorded because, of course, you can't watch cartoons back then on... <laughs> you can't watch them live. <laughs> we, popped in, we popped in the M-tape. I was like, fast forward, rewind, fast forward, rewind. I'm like, what is this football game that is on the M-tape? No. He recorded <laughs> over Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> Who does that? We have so many football games, and, and he could tell you what happened and who won each one of them just by looking at the outside of the tape. I mean, I hope he labeled them. But yeah, those all those wow. constantly recorded. Wow. <laughs> yeah, on uh, on on bowl day, that that was the day I, I would have I would have at least four different TVs with four different VCR tapes. And I would be I would be videoing all four bowl games going on at the same time. At it was, it was, he would drive down the road to other people's houses and put them in. <laughs> yeah, you're having a hard time texting right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's driving down the street telling people, can I borrow your VCR? And oh, by the way, can you fix my daughter's hair? Exactly. Same people. I have one more story about, and it goes aligned with um, Tracy's story with the VCR tape. Yeah. Cornell and I had been dating maybe four months, six months, I don't know. He was young in our relationship. And uh, he calls me and, uh, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm cooking supper. Would you like to come over and eat? Oh, yeah, I, I, I have a movie. Okay, well, bring it on over and the kids and I are here and and uh, we'd like to watch it. So he comes in and says something to Nikki and Chad and comes over and gives me a kiss. And he said, well, here's the movie. I said, well, what movie did you bring? And he said, Cotton Bowl. <laughs> so that introduced me to, you know. That sums it up goes. right there. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. No, guys, thank you guys for doing that. This was this was a, a great take. It's so refreshing to have family members and, and, and wives and daughters and sons. And thank you guys for doing this because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that can relate and they're going to get a lot of kicks out of this. So there you go. It's going well, to be a fun to time. You're Matt, you're Kevin, everybody. Y'all take care. Y'all thank you guys. Have a safe All trip. Right. Thank you. I right. appreciate okay. you. Until right. next time, everybody, we'll see you on the flip side. There you go. Right.